speeches have been, been used throughout history to inspire people. The words like, I have a dream, ring true today. Martin Luther King, all of these, these words that are used to be either to build something up or to tear, to tear it down. They oftentimes, and I would say all the time, express what we're thinking and how we feel. There's a great power with our words. And if you can see the slides, it kind of is that play on that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt me lie that is spoken. There's a great power with our words. I think each of us can think back onto significant times in our life when we may have said something that we didn't want to say. It just came out. Maybe for some of you that was this morning when you spilled coffee on you and something came out that you wish you wouldn't have said. Maybe it was in a moment when you were in a, a fight with someone who was close to you, there was a child or a, a parent or a, a spouse, and you had something in your mind that you knew that you, would, you never wanted to say, you, you swore you'd never say it, but in the heat of the argument, it just kind of slipped out. And it pierced the heart of whoever you were talking to. Maybe you deep, think back on it with regret. Maybe you've been able to give a speech to a, either a team or some people and you've seen them be inspired by your words and you look back on your words with, with favor. But right now we're seeing in our country just how the destruction and division that words can bring. We see it so clearly around us to where we, we have to admit that words are important. They, are, they can cause damage, but they can also cause great life. We proclaim the gospel with words. There's, they're, they're very important. And how we use our words, how we use our 860.3 million words in our lifetime is important. And, it, and, and Jesus in this passage will draw our attention to the weight that is associated with our words. We're going to be in Matthew 12, 33 through 37. He's going to talk about how our, our words reveal the, the state of our heart. So if you think back with me from last week, we're in this, this section of Matthew where, where Jesus heals a man who was blind and demon-oppressed and he couldn't speak. He, so he, he's cast out the demon and he heals him of his blindness and his, and his muteness and he begins to speak. And the Pharisees, in order to prevent the crowds from following him, began to claim that Jesus was Satan himself in disguise, casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus then rebukes them, warns them, and invites the Pharisees to leave their kingdom and enter into his, warning of them the grave consequences of blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus proclaims that there can only be two possibilities, who are that, and these are this, we are either with him or against him. And that brings us to this passage today. And Randy summed it up last week with these, these four statements. The first one is this, there are two kingdoms at work in this world, opposed to one another, and both are clearly revealing themselves through their work. And then the next one is, is that we have but one choice to make regarding Jesus Christ. We are either with him or against him. And Jesus graciously warns us of the consequences of rejecting his kingdom. And then the next one is, King Jesus has come to this earth to set captives free and forgive sinners through the Holy Spirit by bearing our sin and God's judgment on the cross. And then the last one is this, Jesus calls his kingdom citizens to join him in his redemptive mission, rescuing people from oppression, sin, and death. And that brings us to the passage that we're going to be talking about today. So if you would, with your Bibles, look with me at Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. 
for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Lord, I pray that it would pierce our hearts today. I pray that it would pierce my heart. Pray for this time that we would, you, your spirit would be working among us, that your spirit would be empowering my weak and feeble words. Lord, I pray that this would not be about me in any way, but this would be about you and your glory, and I pray that lives would be transformed. Lord, we love you, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. So Jesus here in this passage, he's continuing his rebuke to the Pharisees. They could not deny that Jesus' works were good. In fact, that they, they couldn't deny that they were godly, that they were scripturally uh, prophesied that they were, he was healing blind, he was casting out demons. They couldn't deny it because their, their own people were trying to do the same things as we see in casting out demons. They couldn't deny that it was godly, but they kept calling him bad. And throughout the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus is in, in just pleading with the Pharisees. If you don't believe me, just believe me on account of my works. We see that over and over and over again. And Jesus was producing good fruit. The fruit of the Messiah. He was fulfilling prophecy after prophecy that showed that he was the Messiah. And so he's, he's here and he's appealing to them. He's producing these things. He's saying, look, you've got to make a decision. He says, you either got to make the tree good and its fruit good, or it's tree bad and, and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruits. And what he's doing there is he's, conti- he's continuing his rebuke and invitation to this, the Pharisees to, hey, make a decision about me. That word make there in the Greek is the word poyo, which usually implies um, an act of doing or um, of, ma- of making kind of deal. But the way that this is being used, the ESV study Bible says, is it's implying an idea of considering or working out with your mind or regarding something, make a de- making a, a mental decision that Jesus is calling them to. And he's calling them to be consistent in their evaluation. Either I'm good and the stuff that I'm doing is good, Oh, I'm bad, and the stuff that I'm doing is bad. You can't say that the stuff I'm doing is good, and I'm bad. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. He's calling them to recognize that he is good, and his works are good, or that he is not, and his works are not good. And so Jesus here, and he's, he does this. Last week, he removed the, op, the, uh, the option of neutrality. You're either with him or against him. And this week, in this, in this passage, he's removing the option of indecision. Because Jesus removes both of those. And each of us must decide what we're going to do with Jesus of Nazareth. We must make a decision with Jesus. And indecision is the same as the decision against him. That's what he's saying here. He says you've got to either make the tree good or bad. There is, no, there is no middle option. Either Jesus is who he says he is or he isn't. There's a popular idea that is permeating our culture right now. Uh, it has been for some time is that Jesus is just this good man, this good moral teacher. He did some good things, but he died. And, you know, you know I know y'all say that he resurrected, and, but he was, just a good, he was just a good teacher. Well, one, Jesus didn't only do good things in the past. He is doing good things now, one. Second, he did not leave the option open for us that he was just a good teacher. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus says that he is the way the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Acts 4.12 says this, 
and that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must save. Throughout the gospel, Jesus claims over and over again to be God in indirect ways. And this is best seen in the way that Jesus responds to the, I mean, the Jews respond to him. So, he didn't leave that option open. There's four options regarding, regarding Jesus. Either he's, he's a legend who was made up, which history over and over again attests the fact that he was not made up, that he was a real person, that he was, he did die on the cross, and the tomb it did in, indeed find empty, was empty. He's, so he's not a legend. And based on the account and their ample proof regarding both the accuracy and, and, and truthfulness of the scriptures, he can only be three things. He's either Lord, he's either a liar, or he's crazy. C.S. Lewis famously presented that argument that has been repeated over and over again. And it, and it holds true today. If he wasn't made up, which history shows that he wasn't, he can only be one of those three things. He's either God, he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. There is no middle ground. John 5a, this is where he says that he is God. If you may say Jesus didn't call himself God, look at John 5, 18. Excuse me. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So the decision is simple. It really is. We either repent and believe in the gospel, or we don't. That's the only two options that we have in this life. The only, two, the only decision that really matters is either we repent and believe in the gospel, believing that God came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, and died for our sins and rose again, or we don't. That's the, only, that's the only decision that matters. Every other decision pales in comparison to the weight that is, is, is on that decision. And Jesus says, you must make a decision. To not make a decision is to associate me, is to be against me. And if you're, if you're still struggling with that decision, look at the fruit of Jesus' continued ministry through his church. Universities, hospitals, emergency relief organizations, all were formed from Christian origins. Yes, many of them have less left the Christian origins today, but they all began out of the compassion of Jesus' church. Hospitals, universities, emergency relief organizations, and many others can trace their roots back to Christian uh, origins. Popular phrases like, treat others as you would want to be treated, go the extra mile, God is love, and many more find their roots in Scripture. And so too often our culture is doing the same thing, where they're calling the fruit of Jesus good, but they deny his goodness in and of himself. They're making that decision of indecision. And Jesus says that's not an option. He says either make the tree good and its fruit good, or the tree bad and its fruit bad. Why do we need to make a decision? And that brings us to our next point. He says, Jesus says, there is no hope, for righteousness and eternal life apart from Jesus Christ. We need a new heart. In this verse, he says, how can you speak good when you are evil? How can you even do it? How can you speak good when you're, e- when you're evil? He goes on to say, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. It's just not possible for someone who is not in Christ to bring forth good. Jesus calls them, the Pharisees, a, a brood of vipers. It's a phrase that he reserved for false religious shepherds because of the venomous quality of their words. They couldn't speak good. They couldn't lead God's people the way that they were wanting to do because they had evil hearts. It was not possible for them. 
They were utterly evil. And by nature, we're the same way. The Bible says, by nature, we are children of wrath. So our words and our actions are naturally evil. No one speaks out of character when we, when we mess up. When, when we let phrases go that we wish that we wouldn't have that are evil, we may say things like, man, I didn't mean that. that you know me. That wasn't, that's not what I meant. That's just not true. Our words reveal the state of our heart. No one says anything that doesn't come from deep down that they actually believe or think. We can try and cover it up, but we know that that is just not true. Look at, look at what Jeremiah 17.9 says. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Ephesians 2, 1-3 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We are by nature evil. That's not enough. Look at what Romans 3 says this. It says, as it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive, and the venom of asp is under their lips, or the venom of snakes is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Notice how much of that section was devoted to the way that we speak and the words that come out of us. Because the way that we speak reveals the nature of our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says. And he also says here is that one day that we will answer for every word of our 860.3 million, every single one of them, we will give an account for. In every careless word, we will be liable to judgment. I don't know about you, but without Jesus, I have no hope. If every careless word that I utter is, condemns me for judgment, I only have a hope that, that God would show his abundant grace in, to me on the cross. That's my only hope. Jesus is our only hope. Every word that is lazy, that doesn't produce an eternal good. Because there's some nice things that people can say who are, who are lost. But ultimately, it doesn't contribute to the ministry of God's kingdom. It doesn't contribute to the glory of God. So ultimately, it falls short of the standard. Even if it is nice words like, I love you, or I care for you, you know, I support you. If it, it ultimately doesn't, doesn't produce any good for the kingdom, so it falls short of God's standard. Our only hope is in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. You've seen this right here. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights or you've been here on Sundays over the past summer, you've seen this, this thing. It's on our website. But our words, more than anything, often reveal the brokenness of this life. We see the hate that comes out of us, the lies, the, just the laziness, that we, the, the idle things that we talk about, and how little we actually talk about things of eternal value. And they reveal this brokenness. And, they, and the, our only hope is that we repent and believe in the gospel. And the gospel is this, that God is love and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Jesus came to this earth, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived the perfect life that we are called to live. But we don't. 
Not once did, uh, did a careless word ever cross his lips. Not once. Because the Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we were, but he was without sin. And he died a death on the cross, taking our punishment, our, the punishment for every careless word that we speak. He took it upon himself. And he took it to the grave. And then three days later, he rose in victory so that he could give life, eternal life, and grace and mercy to all who repent, which means they turn from their sins, and believe in the gospel. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. And that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus is our only hope. No one else can save us from ourselves. There is no other way to, for salvation. There is no other way to recover and pursue God's design. As you see, those little squiggly arrows in the top show the different ways that we try to fulfill or numb our brokenness. But there is nothing that can do that. Because Jesus removes from us a, our heart of stone, and he gives us a heart of flesh. He gives us the good treasure that we can bring forth out. He gives us a new heart. We need transformation. We don't need self-help. We don't need to be, to be better. We need to be new. That's right. We need to be new. Being better is not good enough. We need to be completely made new. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. He says you, you can't speak good from evil. You need good to speak good. You need to be transformed from an evil heart to a good heart. And then Jesus goes on to say, he's, and he, and what he's, the next, our last point, and we're going to be short today, I think, but he says, if we have chosen to align ourselves with Jesus, it will be made clear by our own words. So if we are with Jesus and not against him, it will be clear. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Out of the good treasure, you bring forth good, and out of the evil, you bring forth evil. What he's doing here is, he's, when he says, by your words, you will be justified, he's not saying some kind of anti-Pauline uh, doctrine of, you're not going to be justified by faith. But it's this, the idea of those who are in the faith show their faith through righteous works and then now words as well. And that's a revealing heart. But if you will look at me at, uh, in the tell you on the day of judgment, give account for every careless word they speak. That word for careless is translated, uh, the, the word that the ESV translates careless actually has two connotations with it. The first, and some of your Bibles may be tra translated, is idle. An idle word... Uh, as John MacArthur says, is these are words of no value. They're barren, no purpose, unproductive, no good product, ineffective in promoting God's kingdom and glory. He goes on to say, he says, they may be words that are nice, like I love you, to their children or to their wife, or words of kindness and comfort and gentleness, sometimes words of truth and wisdom, but they are useless in promoting the kingdom of God and advancing the name of Christ and exalting God's glory. They cannot that. So the, the words of someone who is, has not been redeemed and transformed by the gospel cannot be, be used to promote the kingdom of God and advancing the name of Christ, exalting God's glory. They just can't. 
You need a new heart. We need to be transformed. The second connotation is the one that is of carelessness. The idea that we work real hard to, to keep our true self covered up. We may speak in flattering language or highly religious terms to cover up the, the brokenness that is within. That's what the Pharisees did. But when the heat is on and the pressure is given, the, the, the words that come out that are careless, they, they weren't careful. They reveal the nature of their heart. They can be words of anger, impurity, or hatred. Both these idle words and these useless words and these careless, evil words condemn us. They come out of our mouths and they will show us the nature of our heart. And Because Jesus says these words so clearly reveal the nature of our heart that we will be justified and condemned by them. We don't even need our own words will condemn us or justify us. Because it will, the, the gospel will transform our words so radically that it's clear. It's going to be clear when on, on Judgment Day, if we were to look at every single one of our 860.3 million words, it is so, it's going to be so clear who has been born again and, and has been made alive by Jesus Christ and who has not been. So how does the gospel transform the way that we talk? How does it? I got some statements in your notes if you want to follow along with me. It says, our useless words become useful for the ministry of the kingdom as we begin to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and his excellences. Non-believers don't proclaim the gospel. They just don't. They don't proclaim the, the transformation that comes through Jesus. Those who have been made alive by Jesus Christ and have received the gift of eternal life, we have a charge from our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples of all nations. Our words need to be used to advance God's kingdom. If we're not opening our mouth to share the gospel with people, we are not living the way that Christ has called us to. We must learn to share the gospel. If you could put the three circles slide back up there. This three circle slide, we have the video on our, our website. This is an easy way that we could walk through sharing the gospel with somebody. We've been doing some training on Wednesday night on how to share the how to share our faith and how to share our story. Um, and we've been, we've been dealing with this issue of how can we speak the gospel to a lost and dying world? And this is an easy tool that we can use, that we can use to walk someone through the gospel. Because now that we've been made alive in Christ, we have received the reward of eternal life, we must, we must, we must be proclaiming that to others. And if we're not, we're being disobedient to Jesus Christ and his commands. The next way is our hateful words that we used to divide, turn to words of love that sees no racial divide and that unifies even the most different of backgrounds. There is no place for hate in, 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 the, in the language of the kingdom of God. There is no room for hate in the language of the kingdom of God. It is just not in our vocabulary. That means uh, our, um, our faith, our brotherhood, is made up of many different nationalities and back, backgrounds. There cannot be division between white and black in the church. There cannot be division between white and Middle Eastern in the church. Or white and Chinese, or white and whatever. We cannot be divided in our language. 
We cannot be mouthpieces for hate. We must be different. It's easy to hurl insults. Insults. It's easy to, to contribute to the hateful language. That's easy. It's easy to voice a complaint. To voice um, being offended. That's an easy way to use our language. But God calls us to something that is different. He calls us to speak in language of love that unifies. Because one day, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be represented before the throne of God. And we will be worshiping in complete diversity, together, unified under the, the, the banner of Christ as one nation. There is no Greek and Jew. There is no black and white. There is no Middle Eastern and, and, and American. There is no division. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all. He is in all. There is no place for hate in the language of the kingdom of God. Our words of blasphemy turn to words that are worshipful and full of truth about who God is and what he does. Where before we used to use his name in vain, both in the three-letter shortened way of, that we do it now through text message and in the longer way. We used to proclaim things that weren't true about who God is. We used to not worship him. We used to blaspheme him with the breath that he put in our lungs. But now we turn that to praise for those who have been transformed by the gospel. Our multiplication of lies and gossip turn the words that are truthful, truthful and preserve the uni unity among believers. Our multiplication of lies and gossip turns the words of truth and words that preserve the unity of believers. I grew up here. I know the town. I know went to Southside High School, graduated there in 2012. Our community struggles with gossip. Our community struggles with lies, with gossip that tears apart the unity of believers. We struggle with that. We must, we must be different. As Meadowbrook Baptist Church, we must be different. Because there is no place for gossip and lies in the language of the kingdom of God. The next one is our crude and vile talks and jokes turn to innocent and pure words that project worth rather than degrading others. Our humor must be different. We have the joy of the Lord. He has given the gift of laughter. Let's not defame that with dirty jokes and and just vile talk. We don't need that to laugh. We don't need to put down others to get a laugh. We have the joy of the Lord. He has given us laughter as a gift that we can use honestly to glorify God. But when we speak in vile ways, in ways that puts down people rather than builds them up, it doesn't. Next, our prideful boasts turn to humble pleas of, of mer for mercy. We must humble ourselves before God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And our foolish multiplication of many words turn to wise and intentional selection of our words. James says, be, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. I got that order mixed up, but that's, those three phrases are there. 
Social media has, has given people a platform to display, to proclaim their, their opinion and their words to the masses and in a way that it's, it's shouldn't, they probably shouldn't have had. One of the, uh, a phrase that one of my teachers used to tell me, he says, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and to remove all doubt. Many words does not lead to anything good. We must think about how and be wise and intentional in our selection of words. The words that we use are important, and we should think about which ones we use. I do that when I'm preparing for a lesson. The, the words that we use are important. It's not just semantics. They're, they're, they're important. And then our selfish words turn to, to thankful and generous words. We have to be proclaiming the thankfulness that we have for God and what he has done for us. And not just hashtag blessed, look at what he's given me, but like, hey, look at what Jesus has done to my life. I'm so thankful for that. When people do something nice for us, we should just show abundance of thankfulness and, generous, and generosity to them, the way we word. I mean, the gospel should, our entire way of talking should be transformed by the gospel to where it is so clear that, hey, we are with Jesus Christ because of the way that we talk. I mean, it's entirely our whole language needs to be, we need to speak a new language. It's, it's that radical of a difference from the language of the world to the language of the kingdom of God. And in a culture that is full of lying and hateful and impure, divisive, useful, useless and blasphemous words. I was watching the news the other day and it was that uh, they were talking about the, they'd followed the, the two groups that, were, that clashed at Charleston. And one of the guys on the, the alt-right was walking and he was encouraging. They had a camera on him. They was, he was encouraging his men. And he says, be bold and be confident. And these words came out of his mouth and my mouth dropped when he said it. Because he goes, for we're doing the Lord's work. Uh, and I almost screamed at the TV, said, no, you're not. There are so many words of blasphemy about our God that are out there right now. We must speak truth. We must speak a different language than the language of the world. There's so much division right now. We must speak truth and love. We must speak impurity. We must speak words that unify the body of believers and not divide it. There are Democrats who will be in heaven, and there are Republicans who will be in heaven. We must put the unity of, the belie of believers before any civilian conflict. This world does not need a copy of itself. It needs something different. There's two kingdoms. We, we've been looking at this a lot. There's a language of the world and there's a gospel-transformed language. We must be speaking that gospel-transformed language. And if you're not, and you look on your life and, and you are, and your language shows no signs of gospel transformation, I would challenge you to evaluate your heart and to examine your salvation because you may need to still repent and believe in the gospel. If your words are not evidenced of someone who has been transformed by the gospel, 
you may need to evaluate yourself and repent and believe in the gospel. Because this, the kingdom of darkness that we have been proclaimed to go into, they need to hear words of light and holiness. Like I said, you can't speak good if you're not transformed. You can't bring forth good treasure from evil treasure. You can't speak good if you're still filling your heart with evil treasure. Garbage in, garbage out. Out of the overabundance of the heart, you speak. So what you put in, what you listen to, what you watch, all these things impact on how we speak. It's just not possible if we're not spending time in God's word and filling ourselves with his good treasure. If we haven't received a new heart that desires him, one, we can't speak good. But if we haven't, if we're not filling our minds and our hearts with the truth of God's word, we're still going to find ourselves speaking the, the language of the kingdom of world, the world. If we get our truth from Fox News or CNN or no one gets their truth from CNN, but um, but if we're or MSNBC or whatever, if we're getting our truth from there and not God's word, we're going to still find ourselves proclaim, proclaiming the language of the kingdom of the world. We have to be filling our hearts and minds with this word, this truth, because it's just simply not possible. And we're going to have to give an account for each of the 860.3 million words that we speak. Those who are in Christ Jesus, thankfully, have Jesus who can speak, who can speak on our behalf. But even as believers, I believe that we'll still have to give an account for the words that we speak at the beam of judgment of Christ. And we could forfeit some rewards, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like, but that's, I see that in Scripture. We're going to have to give account for each of our 860.3 million words that we speak in our lifetime. Today, you may speak 30 to 50,000 words. Each one, God hears. Not to scare, not to, this is not to scare, it's just truth. God hears, and we will have to give an account for it. We must be thinking about our words, and we must be asking ourselves will we, will we, be, shown, will we be shown to be justified or condemned by our words? will our words say about the nature of our heart? That's a daily question. At the end of each day, reflect. How have my words served to, to further your kingdom, God? Do they show someone who's been transformed by the, the gospel? If not, confess. Ask for forgiveness from God and from whoever else you spoke to in a, in a way that was not glorifying to God.